Handshake Marketing Podcast. If you are new around here, the purpose of this podcast is to inform and discuss all things B2B digital marketing with some crossover to B2C. From content to social to SEO, we discuss industry trends, tips, and tricks. This podcast is both for newbie marketers, business owners, and the seasoned marketer. We're all on this marketing journey together. I'm Sarah, a host and account manager here at 21 Handshake. And I'm Ashley, account manager. My name is Alex. I'm in charge of visual content. And we also have sitting with us today. Hi, I'm Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> he is owner at 21 Handshake. He's been on a few episodes um, a while back. So welcome back, Isaac. Thank you. Today we're talking about your ideal buyer specifically about how to discover who the heck your ideal buyer is. Or wait, maybe it's your buyer persona. We've heard both of those terms, and sometimes they're used interchangeably, but today we want to talk specifically about your ideal buyer, not your buyer persona. Ashley, can you just give us a quick rundown? What is the difference between these two things? So ideal buyers and buyer personas are often like misconstrued to be similar or the same thing. Um, and they're not. So your ideal buyer generally um, would be like your best prospect or um, you know, or already uh, active in a buying journey. Um, the prospects face similar challenges um, and have similar goals and are your most valuable customers. Whereas your buyer persona really defines like the different ways you uh, target that buyer, um, different reasons, uh, fears, challenges, um, you know, generally a buyer persona is a fictional character. Um, okay. So really, it's almost like the buyer persona are the little things that make up your ideal buyer. So exactly. like ideal buyer might be the larger picture and your buyer persona is like all the little things that make up the ideal buyer. Exactly. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Alex, why in marketing and in business in general is defining this ideal buyer so important for, for business? Um, I think it, it, it allows you to be, to be more focused in your marketing efforts, but I'm going to read this, uh, this, this quote here from stratomic.uk. Also, I think that's just a cool name. Straight yeah, down. really? <laughs> <laughs> Almost better than 21 Handshake. <laughs> Almost. Almost. <laughs> Adopting this strategy also helps you build a predictable and highly scalable sales pipeline. It also prevents you and your sales team from wasting precious cycles on the wrong buyers. Kind of what I was saying about being focused. Right. Um, while it is important to determine whether they are a good fit or simply not quite ready to buy, they are not going to close quickly. Which I think that last part is very important for businesses. Like, stop wasting your sales resources on maybe um, some buyers that are just the wrong fit for your company. And really just focus on that ideal buyer who needs your solution and is ready to buy your solution. But um, that can be hard to identify who exactly that ideal buyer is. So we have came up with six questions to help you define your ideal buyer. Also, with the help of the Stratomic, <laughs> we relied on that. So we're going to link that uh, blog in the show notes so you can dive a little bit deeper into those six questions for your own business. So we thought it'd be fun today to kind of use our own kind of fictional character here to help, um, you know, show you what these six questions are and then answer them in regards to as a business owner and who their ideal buyer should be. So to kind of put this in perspective, 
Today we are going to pretend we're a small building manufacturer and we have a new siding material that's made out of bark and we're looking to know who our ideal buyer is for this product. So Ashley, why don't you start us off with the first question we should ask to determine who the ideal buyer is for this new siding product that we want to bring to market. <laughs> so the first question you should ask is what size company is a good fit or not a good fit for your product. And that's super important because you're not going to be a perfect match for every company. Exactly. Um, and I know Isaac has a lot of input on this too because I've heard him talk about it a lot. Um, you know, but the way you communicate with a like um, mom and pop shop is going to be very different with how you would work with like an enterprise or you know like a national brand. So you have to determine uh, what size company would you work be best with, um, and, and that could go even deeper into like budgets. Yeah. Um, where does your price point fit best? Um, what kind of relationship do you want, you know, uh, working with a bigger team, there's going to be more hands in the pot, um, but maybe the smaller mom and pop shop wants more control. Right. So, um, yeah. So in the perspective of that we have this new siding material, mm -hmm. what size of company do we feel might be a good fit if we're looking, um, this is probably, I'm thinking more of an exclusive product. Yeah. Um, it's a specific type of material. Mm -hmm. um, I would think very maybe more niche. custom. Mm -hmm. Very niche market. So would we be in agreement maybe a custom home builder mm -hmm. might be better than say like a production home builder or... Yeah, I would or, agree. You know, maybe a remodeler even mm -hmm. um, might be a good fit, but I think probably ideally that custom home builder is gonna be gonna be the best mm -hmm. one. So diving into that a little bit deeper, Alex, how would we um, define either company size, number of employees, revenue, customers are another metric for this ideal buyer of ours? Well, I think there, I mean, there are a lot of different ways that you can take a look at this one. Um, how do you define company size? I think there are a couple ways that you can do that. Obviously, like revenue, number of employees, number of opportunities. If we're looking at like, um, if we're talking about like production home builders versus like custom home builders, probably a really important factor is like amount of homes built per year. Right. Um, so for the custom home builder, you're probably looking at five to 15-ish homes a year. You guys right. agree with that? Mm -hmm. uh, probably in the price range of say like 650 to maybe like 1.5 million, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think you, when you're looking at the siding product, you have to compare it um, to, you know, what else is out there in the marketplace, and where, like where you see it fit as, you know, which end user is going to buy it, right? And then which company is going to give it to that end mm -hmm. user? And as you guys were talking about this, and you know, um, it's not a, uh, it's definitely not a commoditized product. Whoever sells this product and delivers it and helps the custom builder sell it to the the homeowner, the prospect homeowner, is going to be used to. Um, you know, able to be able to articulate value and sell a premium product because this is the opposite of a commodity. But uh, therefore, the price points in which you know premium products live would be definitely north of a half a million most of the time for most parts of the country. For sure, and I think, I mean, obviously, as we are kind of segmenting ourselves into this, you're probably not looking at the other end of the spectrum. For example, like your your Home Depots, Lowe's, etc. Unless they wanted to choose, like, pursue a DIY route. Right. Which, which would probably be a separate discussion. 
correct? Yeah, yeah. I think the DIY route for this particular siding might be hard because it sounds like it's a more specialized siding. It could be hard to install. Right. If we're talking, you know, a business can have, if they really want to, they can go into multiple processes with this, with this ideal buyer, buyer persona process. Mm -hmm. They can do that. I wouldn't say for this product that DIY is the first one we go to. It would definitely be that custom home builder where you know it's going to be uh, put on a, a house somewhere in the mountains or something exactly. like that. Exactly, exactly. Which we will get into, like location, which matters as well when you're kind of defining that ideal buyer. So our third question would be, which industry verticals are ideal and not ideal? For this particular ideal buyer that we're describing here, I think it's a pretty easy question. A vertical market, just in case you're not familiar, is a market in which a vendor offers a good or service specific to an industry trade, profession, or other group of customers with specialized needs. So I think we've already kind of clearly defined which industry vertical is ideal, which would be that custom home builder, that tract is the kind of ideal industry vertical. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So what use cases are ideal or not ideal for buyers of this product would be our fourth question. Isaac, did you want to tackle that? Sure. So best use cases back to, um, you know, you're, also, you're looking at where obviously this product is going to go. Um, ideally, this product is going to go on, uh, you know, on a house. You're not on, on a house in which it's going to be you know, in a cer certain certain area that it's going to be done for you. This is probably, like we said, not a DIY play. This is not somewhere the people helping this uh, helping this product get to the house. They're not going to be commodity sellers. They're right. not going to be. They're not mm -hmm. going to like dominate in selling nails and then yeah. sell this on the side <laughs> either, right? Exactly. Um, and it really comes. And it's not going to be someone that um, is interested in buying a track home. Right? It's mm -hmm. definitely going to be someone that wants the experience of building a custom home. And this a luxury feeling. Yeah, exactly. the luxury feeling. Exactly. Right. Like, I don't think an ideal use case would be a remodeler who is building a shed or a garage no. yeah. or sure. um, a commercial builder who mm -hmm. is building out a you know commercial building. This sure. type of material would not be Sure, I don't see it on an apart apartment complex. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Fancy I, apartment. <laughs> I think even more specifically, obviously, these are going on custom homes, but these are also going to be custom homes that are going to be even more unique, maybe, than like your even quote unquote standard custom home which is kind of an oxymoron right. um, but people were probably maybe a little bit more eccentric so maybe looking at communities where there is a little bit more um, uniqueness to the look of and the feel of the home exactly sure. which brings us to our fifth question Alex Ge geographic location what geographic locations are ideal or not ideal for your product and your ideal buyer uh, Isaac and I, were, we were, when we were last talking about this, we, we kind of looked at each other and kind of laughed because that we had the exact same reaction. And for some reason, we both thought like the Carolinas. Yeah, <laughs> in the mountains. You know, not, not metro, but yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, Asheville. <laughs> what did we say? We said Asheville, right? Yes, Asheville. Maybe not right by Duke University or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the other location that I had in mind was um, like Oregon. Washington, sure. or something yeah, like that. maybe Smoky Mountains, sure, mm. yeah, yeah Tennessee, Tennessee, something like that. Yeah, I would say those are very specific locations that would be you'd want to look at custom home builders in those areas. We, yeah, we discussed like there would be uniqueness to this product, and whoever's doing it would definitely wants the house to be 
um, unique and maybe it's an area in which log homes are more prevalent than yeah. other areas. And this I would be a, this yeah. would be a, um, a an option to feel yeah. like, okay, everybody's doing, if you've thought that everybody's doing log homes, then maybe you would do this. Exactly, I, I love that. And our last question, our sixth question is, are companies that sell to businesses better than companies that sell to consumers? So I would say for this ideal buyer, you, um, you want to sell your product to a business, not directly to a consumer. Maybe, maybe a line opens up down the, down the way sometime in your business life where that might be an option to do a DIY. But I would say right now, um, if they were just starting off, their ideal buyer probably would be to go after those custom home builders to try to get it, um, you know, and I love that as the alternative to your log home. Sure. I mean, we work with, you know, a handful of custom builders in which they're literally trying to, you know, show off the versatility of what their business has been able to do with, with their projects, right? right? I mean, they're thinking of ideas of like, okay, well, we did this really cool thing in this house, this house, this house. So this product... Um, and that that is a huge part of their value proposition when they sit in front of a potential, um, you know, home buyer that wants to build their own home. And this product, this business, I think you just need to directly align yourself with a custom builder that can sell value, that can sell an experience, and then offer them this uniqueness that their business craves for anyway. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So quickly, just to recap, what those six questions are when you're looking for your ideal buyer. You want to determine what size of company is a good fit or not a good fit for your product. Second question, how do you define company size? Do you define that by number of employees, revenue, customers, or some other metric? Three, which industry verticals are ideal or not ideal for your ideal buyer? What use cases are ideal or not ideal for buyers of your product? Which geographic location is ideal or not ideal? And are companies that sell to businesses better than companies that sell to consumers? So to craft for this particular um, company that sells a bark siding, who their ideal buyer is, I think we would say we are looking for a custom home builder who does five to 15 homes a year. These are upwards of $1.5 million homes. Um, Probably they are located in North Carolina's mountains, Tennessee the mountains, Oregon up yes. in the wooded areas, maybe even maybe California wooded areas as well. Yes. Um, these are high-end homes, high-end builders, um, and maybe they're looking to diversify outside of building just log homes. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And so that is how you create your ideal buyer. <laughs> so. What about that buyer persona, though, that Ashley mentioned at the beginning? Should we worry about creating those at all? So stay tuned next episode as we walk you through buyer personas, because within your ideal buyer profile, you will work with multiple buyer personas. They all can have different needs. You're going to want to talk to them different ways. Mm -hmm. And um, in any B2B context, and sometimes even B2C, there is normally more than one participant in the buying decision. It's important to know and point those out and to learn how to, to talk to those different buyer personas. So we want to know, have you identified your ideal buyer for your business? If not, and this is new to you, will you be using these six steps to help you? Drop us a line on social media and let us know. Did you love this episode? Yes, you did. Then rate us five stars and share it with a friend. Until next time. Bye.